when you look at the Word of God, you must look at it in context. One man has said it this way, or one individual has said it this way, words don't have meanings, they have usages. And in many respects, that's true, because you can put a word into a certain context, and it changes the whole meaning of that portion of Scripture. And when we look at Scripture, we need to make sure that we are understanding that what was said before connects to what is said now, and then what is said now probably leads us into something which is going to be said next. And at the beginning of this chapter, we see, if in, your, if in the habit of marking your Bible, you may want to put the word war. And I spoke to you last week on uh, war and war in the church, and by the way, um, uh, that's not what our church is about. I'm telling you right now, if you like to fight, if you like to argue, if you like to cause dissension, this church is not for you. Because we're not going to put up with it. We're going to just say, look, God bless you. Obviously, this church is not for you. You need to move on. All right? We got a good spirit here. We got good unity. And I preached that knowing that there was nothing that I know of going on. And maybe, like I said, it was preventative, you know, PM type of maintenance. But if you're a fighter you're at the wrong place. The only thing that we like to fight around here is Satan. And maybe, and maybe, thank you, and maybe, just maybe, you might have been placed here by Satan. You say, what? Yeah, wheat and tares. You ever read about it in the Bible? Yep. Mm-hmm. So if you like to fight, I just want to get it out of the way. This isn't the place for you. But if you like to follow the Lord Jesus Christ, if you love people, you love the cross, you love our Savior, you love the gospel, you want to share with others, you're just glad to be in a place that loves you and accepts you for where you're at in your spiritual journey, then guess what? This is the place for you. Because we realize here at Open Bible, none of us have arrived. And that we're all on a spiritual journey and that we all need each other to help each other get a little bit further on that journey. And James says, at the beginning of this chapter, we're at war with God. Then he goes, in this portion of Scripture, he says, now we're going to talk about the will of God. Now listen, you say, well, what's war with God have to do with the will of God? Whenever you're out of the will of God, you're at war with God. That's how it connects. And so James is now telling us that we need to be in the will of God. And that's why I've entitled this message, Planning to Succeed or Fail. There are very few things in life that everybody can avoid. And planning is one of them. You cannot avoid planning. You say, well, pastor, I'm not a planner. Then guess what? You're planning. Even if you're not a planner, you're planning not to plan. <laughs> You have planned not to plan, right? I mean, I'm not a planner, so you had to plan not to plan. But listen, if you're not, if you're not planning, you're really planning to fail. Yes. And see, as believers, we can plan to succeed or fail. And James isn't telling us in this portion of Scripture, verses 13 through 17, that we should not plan. He's not saying that. But he's saying that we ought to have the right attitude towards planning. 
See, your attitude and how you plan will determine if you succeed. Did you get that? Take that. You can take that with you. This is the whole sermon in a nutshell. Your attitude and how you plan will determine if you will succeed. Now, the question you ought to be asking is, what's the definition of success? If you'll succeed with God or if you fail with God. Because ultimately, that's all that matters. See, you've heard it said that your attitude, what? Determines your altitude. Let me tell you this morning, when it comes to planning, your attitude determines if you will succeed. And in this short four or five verses here, James gives to us three attitudes. Two are negative. Two are not the attitudes that you should have. One is the correct attitude, the one that we, we all have to work towards. Listen, none of us have this down. We're all working towards this. And sometimes we have the right attitude towards planning, and other times we don't have the right attitude towards planning. And I'm going to show you uh, what, what that is. And James wants us to avoid the attitudes that would cause us to fail in our Christian life. Listen, so many times, if we're not careful in our Christian life, we'll think that God has made the Christian life so hard that, it's, that it, it, he almost wants us to fail. You know what? That's just seed thoughts of the evil one. The Christian life is very simple, okay? Sometimes it's just difficult to implement. Why? Because you're fighting the flesh. That's why. God doesn't make the Christian life hard. It's not like he's sitting up there saying, well, man, I can't just wait. I hope, man, if George doesn't take that step right there, boy, oh, man. No, that's not the way it is. You know what it is up in heaven? I believe that there's a cheering section and every single time that we take a step of faith that God's saying, yes, good job, way to go, boy. Keep it up, way to go. And there, there's people, a cloud of witnesses. When we're running our race, the Bible tells us in Hebrews that we've got this cloud of witnesses, I believe, that are watching us and when we're doing what is right and when, when we're succeeding in the Christian life, that they're cheering us on. See, I'd rather think of the Christian life as something like that than something like, man, I'm just trudging up this hill. Well, man, no wonder you feel like you're failing all the time. Look, listen, folks, God's for you. He wants you to succeed in your fellowship and in your relationship with him. And he gives us an outline here. But listen, if we don't have the right attitudes towards it, then we're going to miss out on all that he has for us. Listen, not only is God for you, but God wants to bless you more than you want to be blessed. But the problem is we get stubborn. The problem is we start feeling sorry for ourselves. The problem is we don't think that it's working out the way that we want it to work out. And we, get, we stiff arm God and we resist God and say, well, it's just not going the way I want it to go. Maybe God's trying to change something in you so that he can bless you in a greater way so that that way you can handle the blessing. See, so your attitude and how you plan will determine if you succeed. What's the first wrong attitude? You disregard God's plan. This portion of scripture is, is something like this. It's really talking about a businessman or a businesswoman. 
And back in that day, they would do a lot of trade. And there's, again, there was nothing wrong with trade. And, and James is not getting on these Christians here about trading and making money and doing business. He's not saying that that's a wrong thing. What he is getting at, he's going further. He's getting to the heart of the issue. And the heart of the issue is their attitude. And their attitude was that they disregard God's plan. Take a look at verses 13 and 14, and then we'll jump down to verse 16. Go to now, ye that say, he's saying, listen up. Today or tomorrow we will go into such a city and continue there a year and buy and sell and get gain. Whereas ye know not what shall be on the morrow, for what is your life? It is even a vapor that appeareth for a little time and then vanisheth away. Verse 16. But now ye rejoice in your boasting. All such rejoicing is evil. I said the first wrong attitude is to disregard God's plan. What does it mean to disregard? It means not to pay attention to. It means not to take notice of. It, it, it means to ignore. It's like this. When you have your GPS on and that little lady in the box, I still don't know how they fit that lady in that box. But that little lady in the box, and you, it, you've mapped out your, your route, okay? And it says, turn right, and you go straight. And what does it say? Recalculating. <laughs> Recalculating. And then it tells you to go right, but you know, you know a shorter way, and you make a left. And it continues to say, recalculating, recalculating. What are you doing? You are disregarding. You know what the map says. You know what the GPS says. You know what that little lady is saying in there. Sometimes it's a British man, but it depends on what you have your settings on. But you know, you know what is being said in there, but you're disregarding. You're ignoring. You're not paying attention to what is being said. It's giving you the route that you should be traveling, but you think that you know better. Listen, Google Maps doesn't always get it right. right? Say, so how do you know that? Try to go to the Fenton's house by Google Maps and you'll end up down a dirt road. It's the truth. It's the truth. We had some friends from my, my daughter's wedding come in from Ohio. And I didn't think anything over it. They said, man, we almost got stuck. It was raining that day. We almost got stuck in this backwooded, muddy road and because we follow Google Maps. Listen, Google Maps doesn't always get it right, but let me tell you something, my friend. If you follow this book right here, it gets it right every single time. You don't have to worry about God saying, recalculating, recalculating. No, he's got it right the first time. But when we disregard God's plan... We have the wrong attitude towards planning. You say, well, how does this happen, Pastor? The reason this happened is because we're so caught up in what we're doing sometimes, we don't even notice. Listen, folks, listen, I love you. But I'm not saying that, 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 that you go out and you just say, you're going to be like that person who's ignoring that GPS, that you're blatantly doing it. 
I, I don't want to believe that about anybody here at Open Bible Baptist Church. Maybe there are some like that. Maybe there are some uh, uh, married couples or some young people or some older folks that are just saying, I know what the Word of God says, but I'm not going to do it. I hope that's not the case. What I believe happens at many times is we get so caught up in this world, we get so caught up with all that's going on around us that it's, we, just, we just forget about it. We just, we just disregard it. It's not that I'm saying, I don't want to. It's that... I'm not even paying attention to. Or how about this? I don't even know what God's plan is. So I'm not standing up here beating you up saying, man, you're ignoring God's will. No, I think that we get so consumed with the things of the world, all of us, that we don't stop and say, God, what do you want? How do you disregard God's plan for your life? Here's a way that we, we all do it. Let me give you three things real quick this morning, all right? You live as if life is certain. You live as if life is certain. Take a look at verse 14, the first part. 14a, whereas ye know not what shall be on the morrow, for what is your life? The one who plans without God is living as if life is certain. I want you to turn over to uh, Proverbs chapter 27. But listen, friends, life is uncertain. Life is totally uncertain. The Bible says that you don't even know what's going to happen the next day. Listen, you don't even know what's going to happen in the next hour. You may think, well, I'll be out of here. I'm going to go eat some lunch. I'm going to go take a, maybe a nap this afternoon and, and uh, relax a little bit or go take a walk outside. It's beautiful. And then, you know, uh, if you don't have to work, you're going to be back here tonight. Okay, great. That, that, that may be your plan. But you can't say for certain that that's going to happen. Take a look, if you will. In Proverbs chapter 27, verse 1. Boast not thyself of tomorrow, for thou knowest not what a day may bring forth. February 27th, 2016, it was a Saturday, and I was going about my business. February 28th, 2016, that Sunday evening night, 8.30, 9 o'clock at night, I laid down in my bed, and I didn't get out of bed for six months. The following day. I didn't think that that was going to happen. I didn't know that that was going to happen. I had planned that my Monday was going to be just like my Mondays before. And I was going to, to continue to go on. But God had other plans. We cannot live as if life is certain, my friends. We don't know what's going to happen. No one knows what a day is going to bring forth. What's interesting is that these business people, not only business people, but I would say that all people, if we're not careful... We were making a, they're making plans for a whole year. They're setting things out if everything's going to go just as planned. And what I find interesting is we don't even know what's going to happen tomorrow. When people make plans, listen, when you and I make plans without God, this is the type of attitudes that we're, we're, we're characteristics that we're demonstrating. You might want to write these down. We are self-assertive. When we make plans without God, when we disregard God's plan, when we live as if life is certain, 
we are self-assertive. Like, this is what I'm going to do. This is how it's going to be done. We are not only self-assertive, but we're self-confident. Self-confident. And not only that, we are self-centered. These first two, you might say, well, Pastor, what's the matter with being uh, assertive and, and confident? It, the problem is self-assertive and self-confident. We need to realize that we need to depend upon God. Amen. That thought process, the self-assertive, self-confident, and self-centered, has little to do with planning with God. See, listen, you know what, friends? We need to remember that time and space, listen, time and space belong to God. And therefore, all human action and activity are dependent upon him. Did you hear that? Time and space belong to God, and therefore, all human action and activity are dependent upon him. Listen, I, when I was praying earlier this morning, I was saying, God, help me to preach in your power and not my own. Why? I need to be dependent upon him. Again, I can't do anything to change hearts. All that I'm here to do is be able to proclaim the word of God. I can do it excitedly. I can do it loud. I can do it softly. I can do it boring. I can do it intriguingly, if that's even a word. I don't know. But I can do it in many different ways. But it doesn't mean that it's going to get to the heart because I'm not here to entertain you. I'm here to enlighten you about what the Word of God has to say. Then you've got to deal with it and you've got to do what uh, you feel is right to do. And I would tell you what is right to do is to follow the Word of God. But I was praying this morning and I was saying, Lord, help me to do this in your power and in not my own. Realizing that guess what? I don't have to be here because he could take me out of here. I want you to turn to Luke chapter 12, if you will, please. That all human action and activity are dependent upon him. The only reason that I can stand before you and preach this morning is because of God's grace. That's it. Amen. You disregard God's plan by living. You live as if life is certain. Luke chapter 12, if you will, please. God has a strong word that he uses for people that live as if life is certain. We're going to see it right here in Luke chapter 12. Verse 16. This is Jesus speaking here. He says, and he spake a parable unto them, saying, the ground of a certain rich man brought forth plentifully. And again, listen, God's not against riches. He's not against people with wealth. He's against the wrong attitude. And he thought within himself, this rich man, saying, What shall I do because I have no room where to bestow my fruits? And he said, This will I do. I will pull down my barns and build greater. And there will I bestow all my fruits and my goods. And I will say to my soul, Soul, thou hast much goods laid up for many years. Take thine ease, eat, drink, and be merry. But God saith unto him, Thou fool, this night thou, thy soul shall be required of thee. Then who shall those things be which thou hast provided? So he that layeth up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. You know what God says here? Is Jesus speaking this parable? He's saying the problem with this man is his attitude. He was planning without God. I wonder if this man said, hey, 
God's blessed me. It doesn't say that God blessed him, right? It doesn't say it exactly, but he said, where can I bestow all my goods, right? Well, where did that come from, God? The only reason you have anything that you have is because of God. The only reason I have anything that I have is because of God. And if he would have made you said, well, God's given me all this that, that I am able to enjoy, instead he says, let me build more barns. Maybe if he would have said, let me give a little bit to the church there. Let me help out that church that has a parking lot need. You knew I was going to work that in somehow. Uh-huh. Nothing wrong with having those things, but you need to recognize that God was the one that gave it, and it might be that God wants to help uh, for you to, instead of investing in yourself, to invest in the kingdom. Amen. I'll have to save that for January. Say, what's January if you're new here? That's stewardship month. <laughs> you say, what was God's response to him? Because he was planning without God. Two words, you fool. Man, that's some pretty strong language. Do you imagine God calling you a fool? Just thinking about that internally makes me, makes me tremble to think about. It. You fool. But when we plan without God, we live as if life is certain. We need to remember that if we're not careful, we can all have that foolish mindset. We need to remember that we all have an appointed day and time. That's why it's important. Listen, friend, that's why it's important that you know Christ is your personal Savior. The Bible says it's appointed unto men and wants to die after that, the judgment. We all have an appointed day. You can't live as if life is certain. Warren Wearsby said, life is not uncertain to God, but it's uncertain to us. You disregard God's plan first when you live as life certain, but take a look. Secondly, uh, letter B, you live as if life is long. Take a look at verse 14b. For what is your life? It is even a vapor that appeareth for a little time and then vanisheth away. You live as if life is long. The world's oldest man has been named in Indonesia. I can't pronounce his first name, and I'm hesitant to pronounce his last name. I think it's Gotho. But he was, he, he was at this time 145 years old with documentation saying that he was born, he has documentation saying that he was born in 1870. On May of 2017, his, at his death, it was announced that he was 146 years of age at that time. Man, when we look at that, we say, man, that is a long time to live. When we hear about the, the, uh, uh, those people that are over 100 years old, we think, man, that is a long time to live. And from an earthly advantage, it is. But I want you to turn over to Psalm chapter 90. Life may seem long to us, and think about it, folks. How do we measure? How do we measure our lives? We measure our lives in years, right? We have we have birthdays, and that's the way that we celebrate our life. We we measure it in years, but the Bible tells us not to measure our life in years. The Bible tells us to measure our life in days. Take a look at Psalm chapter ninety, in verse twelve. 
So teach us to number our days. Why? That we may apply our hearts unto wisdom. Why do you want me to number my days, God? Because I want you to apply your heart unto wisdom. Listen, when you measure time in years, you think, oh, I got plenty of time to do that. It reminds me the other night, we were out with my parents, and my, my mother had this little Yankee candle, you know, plug-in thing. And she couldn't get it in right. And so we went to the Yankee candle store, and I just figured that she had bought it, you know, a couple days ago, and she couldn't get it. So we went to the Yankee candle store, and they showed her how to put it in right. And so she plugged it. Oh, okay. So we're leaving the store later on that evening, and we get in the car. She goes, well, I'm glad I got that done. She goes, it's only taken me almost a year. I said, a year? She goes, yeah, I was trying to put that Folsom Bloom stuff in it for Christmas time, and I just never could get it in. You say, well, what are you trying to tell us? She thought that she had plenty of time to take care of it. See, when we measure our life in years, we think that we've got plenty of time to do the things that we want to do. Hey, wait a second. I'll, you know what? I've heard people say, I'll serve God when I get... After this happens, I'll be able to do for God. See, because we, we push it off, and God says, look, I want you to number your, day, your, your, your life in days because you can apply your heart into wisdom. And look, when we start saying, I only have a certain amount of days to live, when we start living like that, guess what? We start thinking more about the eternal than we do the temporal. Look, I'm not trying to be disrespectful at all, but I can guarantee you Ricky Flores is not concerned about what's going to happen next week or next month. He's on his last days. I can guarantee you things that are going over in his mind. Things with family, things with the Lord. See, if we number our, our life in days, we'll have a more eternal perspective. That's a wise perspective. That's why it teaches our heart to apply to wisdom. But again, I don't think, listen, I don't think that any of us, we, we all at times get caught up in that thinking that I've got plenty of time. I'm not saying, folks, that you guys are just totally ignoring that you're saying, oh, let, no, I think this is because we get caught up and that is a trap of Satan. We get caught up in this world. Oh, I've got plenty of time to do that. No, you don't. No, you don't. According to the Bible, our life is like, it says, vapor or mist. It's here, then it's gone. I want you to turn over to the book of Job. You disregard God's plan. How do you do that? You live as if life is certain. Number two, or letter B, you live as if life is long. And I just ask you to just write these down so that, that way you can go back to them later. I'm going to read through them rapid fire. Job chapter 7 and verse 6. Put these down if you would if you're taking notes. Job chapter 7 and verse 6. My days are swifter than a weaver's shuttle and are spent without hope. Job 7, 9, as the cloud is consumed and vanisheth away, so he that goeth down to the grave shall come up no more. 
Job 8, 9. For we are but of yesterday and know nothing because our days upon the earth are a shadow. Job 9, 25. Now my days are swifter than a post. They flee away. They see no good. You say, well, what is swifter than a post? It was royal couriers back in that time that, were, uh, that moved quickly on their assignments for the king. Job 9, 26. Speaking of life, they are passed away as the swift ships, as the eagle that hasteneth to the prey. Job 14, 1 and 2. Man that is born of woman is of few days and full of trouble. He cometh forth like a flower and is cut down. He fleeth also as a shadow and continueth not. The point is, my friend, life is not long. Life is very short. You say, then what are you trying to teach us, Pastor? By God's grace, I'm trying to teach you, don't spend your life, invest it. Don't spend your life, invest it. Lord, teach us to number our days. How many of you said to younger couples, hey, have little children, enjoy it, it's going to go by just like that. Guess what? It does. Hey, folks, let me tell you something. As the spiritual daddy here, you better invest your life now for eternity because it goes by like that. We had better look to number our days. We disregard God's plan because we live as if life is certain. We live as if life is long. But thirdly, we disregard God's plan. Verse 16, if you will. You live as if you are not weak. What? Yeah. You live as if you are not weak. Take a look at verse 16. But now you rejoice in your boastings. All such rejoicing is evil. You know, no one likes to think that they're weak. Me and my wife were walking around our development, and last night I was trying to get some exercise, and I looked at her and I told her, I said, man, I've got to start doing push-ups or something. She looked at me, I said, I can feel as I'm getting, I can feel my body getting weaker. I can feel that I am not the way I should be at 51 years of age, Wait a second, there should have been a collective gasp. <laughs> At 51 years of age, I'm thinking, thank you. <laughs> I hope that was an oh my because I look so young. <laughs> but at 51 years of age, I'm thinking, man, I, I ought to be a little bit more physically strong. I'm looking and I'm starting to get some wrinkles on skin that I don't like. I'm like, no, let's stop this. Why? Because none of us like to think of being weak, do we? Matter of fact, weakness in our culture is not celebrated, but what is celebrated in our culture is strength. I mean, if you're ever into weightlifting or anything like that, I mean, you don't see on the Mr. Olympia stage these guys that are like six foot eight and 120 pounds, you know, going like this. 
No, these guys are ripped. They're strong. We've got strong men contests. No one today, we probably have weak men contests too. I, I don't know. But I mean, we're, we're, we celebrate the strongest man in the world. We celebrate the strongest intellect. We celebrate the strongest uh, and most powerful companies. We, we don't like to think of ourselves as weak because that is despised in our culture. But listen, when it comes to Christianity, weakness is something that is to be elevated. Why? Because it shows us that we are dependent upon God. Weakness is celebrated. Weakness is when God can move in and do a work in your life. Weakness is when miracles take place. Weakness is when God does the impossible. See, the reason we don't like weakness is because it lets us know that we're not in control. It lets us know that we're dependent. And guess what? Whether you want to admit it or not, all of us in here are weak. So then why do people boast? That's what verse 16 says. See, if you flip it on the other side, other side of boasting is weakness. The reason that people boast is because they're prideful. When we boast, we're trying to get the attention of others to show them how strong we are, to show them how smart we are, to show them how quick we are, swift we are, show them how powerful we are, how rich we are, when in all reality, all we're doing is we're covering up the real weakness that lies inside. We have no reason to boast. 1 Corinthians, 20, uh, 1 Corinthians 4, 7 tells us this. Nobody in here has any reason to boast except for boasting in the cross. Why is that? The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 4, 7, For who maketh thee to differ from another? And what hast thou that thou did not receive? Now, if thou didst not receive it, now, if thou didst receive it, why dost thou glory as if thou hadst not received it? You know what I'm saying? Everything that you have, from your health to your intellect to your wealth to the things that you own, everything, it has been given to you by God. So there's no reason for you to boast. Don't act as if you didn't receive it. I've heard people say, you know, I've tried to be able to help people in the church. Well, I, I don't want a handout. Listen, we've all received handouts, and the, it's what we receive every day from God. It's called his grace and his mercy every single day. We get that from God. It's his handout to us. So just accept it that we are weak and we need him. See, James tells us that our boasting is wrong, it's evil. And the person who is living life without any regard to God's will or God's plan for their life is one who is acting like whatever they've got, they got it on their own. Hey, friends, listen this morning. To live life without following God's plan for your life is like, trying to under, uh, is like trying to navigate an underground cave with no lights. And listen, friend, if you don't know Christ as your personal Savior, you're trying to navigate life without any lights. It can't be done. See, we all need God. We all need to have the right attitude towards planning 
But the first wrong attitude is disregard God's plan. Listen, friend, this morning you may be here without Christ. You can say, I've got my religion, I've got my good works, I've been baptized, I've been christened, I've taken Holy Communion, I've been confirmed, all those type of things. Listen, if you're relying on that, listen to me, you're disregarding God's plan. God has one plan for everybody to be able to get into heaven. And the plan is and was and will always be Jesus Christ and Christ alone. It is his death, burial, and resurrection. It is the blood of Jesus Christ, the Bible says, that cleanses us from all sin. It is not our good works that cleanse us from all sin. It is not our, our religion that cleanses us from all sin. It is the blood of Jesus Christ and his blood alone that cleanses us from all sin. That is God's plan, that you put your faith and trust in the person and work of the Lord Jesus Christ. If you don't, you're disregarding God's plan. You're living as if life is certain to you. You're living as if life is, is, is long and you're going to live forever and you're living as life as if you're not weak. And listen, all of us had to come to the place in our life, for those of us who know Christ, that we were weak before God. We got down on our knees saying, God, I cannot save myself. I need you to save me. I'm asking you to forgive me of my sins and to cleanse me and to take me home with you when I die. All of us that know Christ have had to humble ourselves and admit our weakness before him. If you don't, guess what? You're not going to heaven. You're not saved. You can say, well, a priest told me, or a bishop told me, or a pope told me, or a preacher told me, or Dr. So-and-so told me. Well, I don't care about any of that they told you and what they told you. I'm just concerned about what Jesus told me from his word. And Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. That's what the Bible says. So, friends, if you plan without God, you're planning with a wrong attitude. The first way that we plan without God is we disregard God's plan. We live as life certain, long, and that we're not weak. This morning, have you been planning your life? Have you even given consideration to what God wants?